Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 48 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. Thank you so much for downloading us from wherever in the world you get your podcasts from, and indeed wherever in the world you are listening to us from. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean Ayers, and I'm joined as ever by my esteemed colleague and co-host, the sports columnist, Liam Happ. Good evening to you, Liam. You all right there? You all right there, Dino? You excited for this? Always excited for these. So am I. So it's been too long, hasn't it? Especially considering we had our last episode was a. Well, I very much enjoyed the Christmas special Q and A, but you know what? We're at a period now with the watch-alongs where WCW is about to get very, very good, at least for five minutes or so. Oh, it's 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 entering it's entering. Well, it's entering Happy New Year stage of 1996. And yes, this is indeed the year that shit gets real. Yep, it's a happy new year in real life, and it's a happy new year for the watch-alongs. Second year of Nitro, and yeah, we've got some amazing things coming up in, in May, in June, July. But, you know, even, even though there's also a bit of dredge to come in, in the first few months of 96, as those who are well-versed with World Championship Wrestling history will remember... Uh, I, th- I think we've got some good stuff coming. In particular, Lex Luger and Sting, because, you know, I love those two. It's your favourite storyline. Yes. I have to I have to say I love them collectively, because if I say, yeah, I'm a huge Lex Luger fan, people look at me funny. But yeah. as a tag team, I think their storyline is about to get real fun. So hopefully we'll carry on with that today. Yes, and I mean, I am uh, I am getting uh, getting through the Nitro book by Guy Evans that I uh, got for Christmas, and we have entered 1996, and we've we've just had the Hogan heel turn at the stage of the book I am at, and that is an excellent read so far. Can't promise anything, obviously, but I would absolutely love to get Guy on this show. So that is something I'm going to work on once I've read that book. I think he'd make an excellent guest. But uh, today, yes, as you say, Liam, today is the first of our watch-alongs. The first one of 96, the first one for us recording in 2020. But, of course, I wouldn't necessarily say Happy New Year to you because I've already seen you this year when we hosted WCW, because WCW hosted the Hooked on Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 14 viewing parties at um, the dugout in Belushi's in London Bridge, and they were a good. It's a good, good pair of early morning starts, was it not? Yeah, considering the fact that we were doing two early morning sessions with airport rules, obviously. Uh, airport rules. You know, you look at you're looking at five hours of solid wrestling per day. It's a serious marathon. I was really impressed with how many people were bang up for it, and the atmosphere was brilliant, especially on day one where we had the the Royal Rumble style quiz afterwards and everything. It, it was just great. And if you think back, some of the matches were just 
top-notch quality. So it was a, it was a great time to be had. And uh, uh, Mr. Paul Benson, hat-trick guest of the podcast, well, he'll be doing it all again soon, won't he? He will indeed, yes. Our friends at Hooked on Wrestling, they are running uh, Royal Rumble 2020 viewing parties. So um, I will tell you, they are all around the country. So you can go to view a Royal Rumble viewer. You can... I'll start that sentence again. You can attend a Royal Rumble 2020 viewing party at the following venues. London, Shoreditch, Leeds, Manchester, Cardiff, Newcastle, Glasgow, Hull, Brighton, Liverpool, Aberdeen, London Bridge for the VIPs. Or you can even get yourself a Hooked on Wrestling 2020 season ticket. Um, so to get hold of any of those, just go to hookedontickets.co.uk or go to Hooked on Wrestling on Facebook or HO underscore wrestling on Twitter. Trust me, it's much better than just sitting on your own on your sofa. It is a hell of an atmosphere. Not only uh, do they have the, the rumble itself, we have uh, fancy dress competition. We have drinks promotions quite often, and there is another quiz. There's always a rumble quiz on. So, um, yeah, get yourself along to those. They will be awesome. Hosted by our good friends and sponsors at Hooked on Wrestling. But it is now time for us to crank up the WWE Network or wherever you get your Nitro episodes from. And this is episode number 18 of Monday Nitro. This is New Year's Day 1996. And unlike the WWE, which came live, Raw, Raw, WWF Monday Night Raw came on the 2nd of January, I do believe that this um, this was done live. Yeah, we've seen nothing to convince us otherwise, have we? We had a little look around. And I suppose, as we said before we came on the air, it's not that inconceivable that you would have an episode live on New Year's Day. You have plenty of sports, including football over here. Plenty of stuff happens on New Year's Day. There's just going to be a lot of hangovers in the audience, I'd imagine. Yeah. And and, uh, hangovers in the dressing room, except, of course, for Ric Flair, who never gets hangovers. Yeah, you've read that part of uh, the Nitro book, haven't you? (laughs) I've seen the the, uh, 30 for 30 documentary that was on recently on BT Sport. They've been uh, showing a lot of the documentaries. Now they've got the WWE coverage. So that that was a very interesting uh, watch. But, um, yeah, and also, yeah, we've said before that back in the day in America, uh, Christmas Day wrestling was a big deal, you know. So, um, so yeah, New Year's, New Year's Day is a positive luxury. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. So, yeah, if you are uh, if you're watching along with us, then we have got the network primed on zero, 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 zero. This this one goes 51, nearly 52 minutes. So like you said before, Liam, they are slowly but surely cranking up the uh, the wrestling content and the, the length of these things. Yeah. But uh, we shall press play in three, two, one, go. And it's time for those burning buildings. Yep, tick that off of your Because WCW bingo card. Check out our Twitter if you've got no idea what I'm talking about. 
feel such an arsonist taking glee in this, but it means WCW Nitro rewatches are back, Dino. So they excited. are back. This is my Christmas. Fuck Christmas. This is my Christmas. From and we are from the oh, yeah, yeah from the home of WCW, Atlanta, Georgia, where uh, one CNN tower was, of course, or still is. The uh, the storied building that you know, in in the voice of certain old timey promoters, was their can't miss venue until they killed the goddamn business. So Bischoff has said this is the number one broadcast wrestling show in the world, but they hadn't overtaken Raw just yet, had they? Well, we saw, I believe him because it's not like he's got a horse in the race or anything, is it? It's not like a professional wrestling uh, personality to claim that their stuff is best and get belligerent yeah. if anyone challenges them on that, is it? That's so unprofessional wrestler. Yeah. Although, to be fair, they were the number one wrestling show on New Year's Day. Mm. Oh, Hogan is off suspension, even though he was plastered all over Nitro during his suspension. Do you remember that? And they had someone dressed up as Hogan in the front row of Starcade when we reviewed that. By mandate. Yes. But yeah, so he's going to get a title shot, isn't he? Because he, he asked for that while suspended, but showing up as he damned well pleased. And Ric Flair yeah. won the WCW title at Starcade. This is the not only oh, just yes. the New Year's Nitro. This is the Nitro after Starcade '95, which was a it was a bit of a fucking mess, wasn't it, Dean? Incidentally, uh, Liam, we haven't covered what that stupid fucking dog is wearing yet. Oh, I've only, okay. I can't believe I haven't already noticed. Jesus, that is uh, yeah. something. Is that like? Is that like an old Civil War soldier's uniform or something? It is in dog that, form? Well, yeah. on, on the plus side, while my eyes are sore, my ears are very, very happy because the old school Arn Anderson horseman music has started. What a tune. What a tune. This is your. This was what you picked on the Q&A, wasn't it? As your personal favourite. And it's not a bad yes, shout at was. all. And that's probably it the just... best horseman shirt as well. Yeah, it just reminds me of of this. This is the epitome of WCW. That Horseman shirt is the shirt that I once last summer, I think it was, when I was in uh, I was in um, Shoreditch going to a, an exhibition of football shirts, and I phoned you up about something or other. And as I was talking to you, a man walked past me wearing that very WCW Four Horseman <laughs> T-shirt in one of the most bizarre coincidences of all time. Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. I'm willing to guess. I'm a big customer of theirs. Love it. Oh, and here's Savage. That is one thing I'm not going to buy in Shoreditch, but I'm certain it's something that is available for sale in Shoreditch. A Randy Savage, uh, a Randy Savage um, jacket, which oh, we man. saw uh, Hiromu Takahashi paying tribute to at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, there were some amazing ring gears, weren't there? Uh, he's Ooh. got gone. No, no, you go. I was just going to point out Savage has gone for the Persian rug look uh, this week. <laughs> so Savage, uh, Savage was attacked before the bell, but he's now turned the tables and 
He's thrown Anderson outside and he's taken over on Arn Anderson. Of course, this prompts the question, does Arn Anderson get the Randy Savage formula treatment or is he respected with a, a bit more, you know, is he given a bit more respect than that? Well, as I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys within the actual industry uh, have a term for it, but as someone who I would say has much more of a professional wrestling IQ, shall we say, uh, as someone who, who can actually work like any sort of match, I'm imagining Arn Anson, that's a general consensus of him. He's not a uh, you know a rookie or a big lug who Savage will just tap into formula. These two yes. both know what they're doing. So, oh, Also, I've got to point out in commentary, I think Monday Night Raw must have been on at this time, despite what I, my records told me, because... Um, Eric Bischoff has just given away the result of the... They had a uh, an event called the Raw Bowl on um, Monday Night Raw, and he's just said, forget about that, smoking guns win that, and stick here. So he's he's spoiling the pre-taped Raw That's not for like the him. live Nitro. Unlike him entirely, yes. I can't believe but, you've spent the entire watch long trying to slander the good name of Eric Bischoff. That's twice I know, it's now. terrible. Oh, I thought Savage was going to go for a spinebuster on Arn Anderson then, but it, w- it wasn't. But it has been all Savage so far. That would have been hilarious. But yeah, I mean, they, these two are just... I mean, it's going to be a TV time span, isn't it? It's match, but that's not a bad thing. I've got no qualms yeah. with watching these two just go full pelt for five to six minutes. Although having just lost the title, the world title, you would think that you know this is going to have to be a bit of a restoration of... Uh, of Randy Savage's stock in WCW. Yeah. It's worth remembering, and those of you who haven't already, we did cover Starcade 95 very recently. First time we did a pay-per-view episode with a special guest that was chronological with the watch-alongs. Uh, it was Arn who cost Savage the title to his good buddy Ric Flair in just, you know, considering who was involved, it was an absolutely dreadful main event, wasn't it? The whole yeah. concept, the format was all over the place. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it makes sense that Savage has come out full of piss and vinegar, you know, kicking some ass. But now he's starting to get worked over. Now Arn Anson's starting to work on the arm. Uh, the old left arm of Randy Savage has been bandaged up for a good few weeks now. But you know what I like about it? Because Arn has a reputation of working over the arm, did you hear the gasp when he hit a single arm DDT? Pretty average move. But everyone gasps, not because of the movie hit, but because, oh, he's starting to work on the arm. That's brilliant uh, psychology. Oh, did you hear what Bobby Heenan just said? I missed that, no. Sorry, that was that was me blabbering on. But I, I caught him saying, Bobby Heenan said, Arn Anson could break every bone in a chicken wing without touching the skin. <laughs> it's a great analogy. <laughs> So, Savage is trying to fight back, but now, yeah, the story of the match, having had Savage dominate the the early stages, Anderson is now working on that arm. You would imagine, uh, well, I'd think Savage has got to win this, surely, just to, to keep him high after losing that the title. But we're getting a close-up of Anderson pushing down on the wrist and then pressing the 
the heel of his hand in the soft part of the forearm of uh, of Savage. And now he's 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 now taking the the bandaging off. These are really nice little touches, I've got to say. Yeah, really good camera work there to zoom in, and they're doing it again now. And um, mm. yeah, but have, having the bandages all over the army, or the crowd will see that. People on TV watching on TV, I should say, will see that. And yeah, between that and the reputation, it just creates such a great tense atmosphere. After getting his ass kicked for two minutes flat, Arns hit one single arm DDT, and the whole tone, the mood of the arena changed. That is just fantastic. I really like that. It's a little thing, but. And now he's just smacked that arm into the uh, ring post. Yeah, and they're really into this. It's it's a, it's amazing what a reputation and a bit of bandaging can do. And do you know what? This just goes back to what I keep saying, that wrestling, when done well, it's simple. It's, it's really simple. You don't need bells and the whistles and and all the you know, million moves and not selling anything. If you can get a story... Of, of babyface selling something simple like this, it works perfectly. And you could have this match right now. If you transported this match, you picked it up and put it in 2020, it would work just as well, in my opinion. Yeah, you get you get a decent program. I mean, there's, there's a good little pro. I can't believe I'm saying this. There's a good little uh, feud at the top of Raw at the moment with Seth Rollins assembling a bit of an army. And you've got guys opposing him like Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens. Could easily take like, a singles match between anyone in that and use something like this. And you've got a cracking TV match. Yeah. Quick question, Dean. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, on the Persian rugs front, I'm not sure how many you've seen in your lifetime. Have you ever seen a Persian rug with bright orange tassels hanging off of it? I don't think so. I think I that's know. a new I one. Have, yeah, I have seen a few um, on my <laughs> travels, but, but not one quite like that. No. I've been looking everywhere for the orange tassel variant, but <laughs> it's elusive. <laughs> yeah, I think you've got to go like deep into the suburbs of Tehran for that. <laughs> yeah, this, this has been so... much better than your typical Savage on TV. Yeah. Oh! Oh! <laughs> just as just as Savage is coming back, Arm just does the old throwing a, throwing a punch, faint Savage ducks, bang, into the DDT. The crowd pop for that. But Savage, and very nicely, Savage has his foot on the ropes it's not a kick out. It's a getting your foot on the ropes and being lucky enough to be in the right part of the ring at the right time. Yeah, hardly anyone does that anymore, considering the amount of big moves that get put into a, the climax of your average match. So you should really see a bit more of that, really, shouldn't you? Well, it's better to me. It's better than a kick out because he hasn't kicked out. He was he wasn't able to kick out. It show, it tells you what the move's done. The ref's gone down now, and Savage. Savage's got brass knucks by the looks of and it. And he's put them in arms trunks. <laughs> that was brilliant. Are you are you allowed to go dipping into another man's trunks? Is that, is that allowed? That that reminds me of a time when um, I think a couple of years after this, it was I think it was the Rock and Ken Shamrock at a Royal Rumble, and the Rocks used them on Shamrock, put them in Shamrock's trunks. He failed to get the win. He's then tapped to the ankle lock, 
or, or got pinned by something. And then he's complained to the ref that he got decked by brass knuckles. And lo and behold, there they are in Shamrock's trunks and it got reversed. <laughs> so I love little touches like that. Well, Pillman and Benoit came rushing to the ring at the end. Pillman doing his nut as usual, but to no avail. So that was a really good match. Are we just getting the replay of that DDT that sat, mm. that nobody did as well as as um no one did that as well as Anderson. So here we go. Yeah, Anderson went to grab the brass knucks himself. Savage decks him before he can grab them. Savage picks them up, smacks Anderson in the head with them, and puts them back inside Arn's trunks and gets the pinfall. Yeah, that that was a good match. There was a few great moments by that that we've already been over in detail. A far cry from that turd of a main event at Starcade. Good rehab for the macho man. He just needs to find a new jacket. And there's a I was just gonna say there's a replay of the of the Persian rug. Benoit is on next. Benoit against Regal. Now we know <laughs> from uh, now we know from speak from listening to Regal before that they liked to head Pardon me, they like to headbutt each other legit until one of them bled. Yes. And the person who bled would be declared the loser. So let's see if that was a tradition that started in WCW in 1996, shall we? Yes. And, I then, think... and then we can talk in depth about how, the connection between that CTE <laughs> so, and mass murder. Sorry. I've just got to interrupt. Let's forget about that raw bowl nonsense. It was dull to begin with. Smoking guns won it. This is where the action is. Oh, I man. fucking love that. I fucking love that. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> so fine. here we go. Regal is out with Jeeves, played by the same man who was Wildcat Willie. What a role. Well, WCW always recycled, even before it became the thing to do. Indeed. Entrance music. Oh, Benoit still gets an entrance, even though he's just come out. Yeah. Do you know what? I was actually thinking that that uh, rush out by Pillman and Benoit, I kind of enjoyed because there was no need for them to run out and try and interfere with the match. Arn Anson was in control for much of the closing stages. And then obviously he failed to hit the knucks and Savage got it. Just like that, it was, it was Savage winning. And that's when they rushed out. And then they've ruined that beautiful bit of naturalistic uh, realism by having him rush back out and then come to the ring again. I don't know. Mm. So, so here we go. This this can't be anything but good, surely. Mm. Well, say so that that raw bowl that's been brought. I vaguely remember catching a bit of that on a on a recap show when when it was '96 when I was a when I was a little kid, a little nipper. Um, am I right in recalling it was pretty much just a fatal four-way before fatal four-ways were called? It was something to do, yeah, it was four tag teams, so that, that makes sense, yeah. But it, it seems to be the dominating, the dominant part of that of that show. You would you would look back... Oh, we've got, we've got a head... Oh, here we go, you're right. Headbutts, here we go. Oh, who's going to bleed first? Oh, they're both—they're both holding their heads, and I don't mm. think that's selling. Yes. Be, who's it, Hank Aaron? Was he a baseball player? Was he? You don't know who Hank Aaron is. I think was he a baseball player? Am I right? Yes. There you and go. Now, I did now, know who he was. And now Mongo's singing his praises. 
And this was as um as Bischoff said right at the top of the show. This was was this just after the Atlanta Braves had won the World Series or something, or were they because he said the uh-huh. home of the the World Champions, or is it this with the Champions of that year? I don't know. I guess so. Um, that would be nineteen ninety five. If so, well, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually massively sports. Yeah, I'm massively getting into MLB the show. I've always had a bit of a casual interest in baseball and. Getting MLB the show on PS Plus is is finally starting to turn that into something a bit more significant. But having a look on Wiki, yes, they won the 1995 World Series, and then obviously Atlanta would also have the Olympics this year. Of course, yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Beautiful reversal by Regal of a wrist lock into a kind of like a Regal lock. Or bit of a cross face as such I was going to say that we've finally gone to the chain wrestling and gone away from those headbutts that bring flash forwards of uh, June 2007 to people's minds unfortunately but there Regal is adding cross faces (laughs) stiff ones Mm -hmm. at that and big forearm uppercuts European uppercuts as the Americans know forearm uppercuts as we know because we're in Brexit Europe. means Brexit. <laughs> we can call yes. them Europe. Starting the 31st, we can call them European uppercuts again. Beautiful German suplex. Are we allowed to call it a German suplex after Brexit? Yeah. Are we, we, we going to take it back? Is, is, is it going to be a bar? It's a Barnsley suplex now, lad. We just, we just have to go back to saying, every time we mention German or anything to do with Germany, we have to add that bit of, of hatred and spite in our in our, in our our speech. So German yeah, suplex. Because we hate the Germans, you know. Because, of course, Brexit is all about thinking that we've still just won the war. Anyway, yes. that's enough of the politics. <laughs> Butterfly suplex, two count, two count for Regal. I love that way. He just pull, he just yanks him down, puts his forearm over his face and goes for another cover. Yeah, like you, you kicked out once. You're not going to kick out again. Multiple pin attempts. I'd like to see that come back. If anything, it would sell shock and frustration more than just doing the same open mouthed emoji face that everyone does when someone kicks out of something. Mm. They are every wrestler is literally the shocked emoji when they fail to get a free count. I want to see a, an angry face rather than just a shocked face. Yeah. I, w- I, I want to see ele- people act the way they do when they lose at FIFA. There's a there's a there's a such a wide range of emotions that people convey when they're not happy. So no 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 no. If if wrestlers sold defeats, here comes a diving headbutt, but Benoit misses. If wrestlers sold defeats like you'd lose at FIFA, then I'm sorry, but my post-match promo would be it's fucking fixed. It's a fucking rigged load of shit and I'd blow kayfabe and get fired from the company for my abusive language. I'd watch the hell out of that Because everyone knows the only reason <laughs> the only reason you lose at FIFA is because it's fucking rigged, Liam. It does feel that way. Oh, Tombstone Pile Driver. A favourite of WCW, the old Tombstone Reversal spot. It is not a major WCW show. And I consider the New Year's Day Nitro to be a major show without someone pulling out a Tombstone Reversal. 
Also, the ringside area looks like a fucking bomb city, and that must be because Johnny B. Bad was on before the TV cameras went on. Well, that was the traditional TV title match, just not on TV, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, Johnny B. Bad defeated Diamond Dallas Page to retain the World Television Championship. It's the Ooh. joke that writes itself. They do that same match every week. It's for the TV title, and they make sure... Oh! Regal pinned him. I didn't see that coming. Benoit, Benoit knocked himself out on the concrete. What what they uh That was a very sudden finish. Yeah. Cause it was kinda hill versus hill. Benoit is a like a member of the major hill stable. And uh yeah, he just got pinned out of the blue there after going splat on the plancher attempt. You would you would expect Regal to lose that one. I wonder if I wonder if that was what was intended or if something went wrong there. Let's just see. Here we go. So, oh no, splat! Yeah, splat on the floor. He la- he landed pretty safe there, even by Benoit oh. standards, where he would actually try and maim himself on those sort of bumps. But do you know what? I kind of like that finish. I mean, it's not the the kind of build up to anything like you get these days, but it was a kind of a sudden out of like I say, out of nowhere capitalising on a mistake. It felt like more of a real contest. Yeah, it was more of an observation and a complaint about the finish. But I am surprised that they had Benoit lose it. But here's here's a horseman interview, so maybe there's a story to come. Yeah, because they've just lost two matches on the trot. Pillman's not happy. Yep, they're Owen too, as I just said, yeah. Um, He's, I don't know why he's wearing like a pervert's trench coat, Pillman. He's either a pervert or a drug dealer. Bit of both. Oh, it was luck, says Benoit. Yeah. My record as a horseman more than proves itself. See, this is another small bit of evidence I'd present when people say Benoit could never talk. Uh, He could always talk, but you just had to be literal with him about it. He could go out and speak like the, the, the bare bones of a situation. This is like a straightforward conversation. He could never do a wrestling promo per se, but he could he could talk like down to earth. And there's a lot of examples in wrestling of people who, who can talk quite fine, but you try and get them to be colourful, charismatic and, and drive things home and they, and they sound really wooden. Mm. He's on. Oh. Yeah, it says it's been starting fires and wars that we don't need to fight. I think he's talking maybe about like um, Orndorff there. Yeah. There you go, Orndorff went too far. Yeah, so Pillman is the loose cannon is not not playing by the team rules here. You know what? This whole thing it looks like they're gonna lead eventually. Obviously it didn't go that way. But you'd think some point in in nineteen ninety six, oh here come the Dungeon of Doom to punctuate Arn's point about the wars that Pillman starting unnecessarily. Giant's the one actually trying to stop it from happening. Um, I don't know if you, Dean, or anyone listening has, has watched the underrated British film Love, Honour and Obey 
came out in 2000? Nope. It's all you'd nope. think it would be. <laughs> nope. You'd think it was um, inspired by this storyline. It is almost like the movie equivalent of the Pillman storyline where you imagine it would go with someone just trying to start wars and be becoming a liability. <laughs> Did you... So, Luger and Stinger in tag team action and against two masked wrestlers come up next. And if you just look at the still that came up on the screen for five seconds, maybe less, you'll you know exactly yes. who it is. You can work out exactly the one on the left is the warlord, and the one on the right is the barbarian. Yes. Oh. Well, it's, it's like when Doom in the late eighties, early nineties, when Doom were masked, and I mean, I didn't know at the time, but then uh, looking at the the masks they had, and they'd done a fair bit of stuff for themselves. Anyone with half a clue would have known that they were Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, to the point that I think Jim Ross called it wrestling's worst kept secret or something. Yeah, I mean, I get Butch Reed. I, I wasn't really an active live fan like when Butch Reed was doing his thing in the 80s, but Ron Simmons didn't do a whole ton before Doom, did he? More regional, but I think he had done some stuff in the NWA. I, th- I think Warlord and Barbarian is a much more blatant one, although you're right about the Doom comparison. Yes. Here comes Slammer. Yep. Also, with what I don't get with this is that Warlord had such a a how can we, a physique for show, shall we say, that they've covered most of it up. But I suppose you're covering it up because you want to try and con- try and conceal their identities. But and also because this may be that certain day of the week where they decide they're actually going to enforce a drug policy. I don't know because that would change in, nah. in both WCW and WWE. They that would change like the weather, wouldn't it? Whether or not they cared about yes. people taking drugs. Case in point, here comes Lex Luger. Doesn't he look good well, today, I think... <laughs> I think they, I think they might have tested people. I just don't know if they did anything with the results. Now, here's, yeah, here's a curious example regarding enhancements. I believe Sting has uh, said in interviews that he he dabbled very early on in his career, but got got off of it. Uh, and if you look at old photos of him, he was definitely much more built up and much more jacked early on when you know, when he was teaming with the old yes. Warriors and stuff like that. But um, I'm not an I think someone who's been around the business will probably see more telltale signs. But I honestly don't know if he's used some during his peak years or not. Probably not 97 <laughs> when he was doing Soddle <laughs> and came to Starcade out of shape. Now I've also got to say that um, that Sting I think has been to the same tailor as the Macho Man. Maybe it's a bit. That was easy. a hell of a jacket. Oh, oh we've got uh, is that Sergeant Craig Pittman? The search for a manager rages on. They're actually give him a mic to pose his question during this match. Excuse me for interrupting. He's talking to Steve McMichael. Why is he talking to Steve McMichael? So, meanwhile, Luger is... Uh, is Well, I was going to say he's taken over on, on the... Uh, I think that's the warlord of the Super Assassins. Because they brought them in for World War Three initially, didn't they? Just to fill out the numbers. 
Yeah, and to think Barbarian would get like five years of steady employment out of this. Yeah, well, him and his mate Meng, you know, teaming up and feuding. Yeah. Right, Sting's now getting double teamed by them. And Robert Parker's in their corner as well. Mongo's telling him he Just... doesn't need a manager, he doesn't need a leader. Maybe that's the end of this insipid angle because you know what I was saying earlier about Benoit being confident enough to talk normally even if he yeah. can't do a promo. Uh, Pittman has showed with this storyline that he can't do either. No. <laughs> no, he can't. Um, we've gone fully into the uh, the in-ring action or the out-of-ring action because uh, it's built to the outside. Sting is getting pressed slammed on the outside throat drop throat first over the guardrail yeah and further to what you're saying about Sting's jacket Savage's tassels and now look at the strange choice of masks on these two uh, there is a unnerving amount of bright orange on this telecast yes so Barbarian's got him got Sting up in a, an over the shoulder backbreaker This is one of those matches where every single person in this audience knows what the result of this is going to be, and they're not really caring much. It's interesting to watch. If you look at the crowd, the Savage uh, Anderson match, literally every single face was was facing towards the ring. Everyone was paying attention. With this match, you look, and there's a lot of people like talking to each other and walking off to get some hot dogs or whatever. It's it's telling. Yeah, what doesn't help is that you know, it's, it's not particularly great or anything, but the worst thing for me about this is they've gone very generic, traditional formula like Sting and Luger or your typical, you know, big-name babyface tag team. We've just come out of Starcade where we had that triangle match, the interesting dynamic with Sting and Luger. Yes. They, they didn't actually lock up to right at the end and they're, they're going at it, allowed Flair to sneak the win. And... We're just going in with a reset, a soft reset, it seems. Right as rain, Luger's playing yeah. babyface, waiting for the hot tag. You know, you, if there was a little bit more depth and layer to this, I think a lot of people who's, you know, people who are in this crowd would have been watching Nitro week in, week out, you would imagine. So the majority of them will be yeah. looking for little telltale signs of the story. <laughs> and so far, they're getting a vanilla tag match at a very plodding speed, thanks to the two <clears throat> enhancement talents. <laughs> yeah, different meaning of enhancement in this case. <laughs> Here you go, tag made to Luger. Ref didn't see it. It's a trick as old as the hills. Nick Patrick is. Uh, how to put Luger back? How telling is it, Dean? Yeah, as an age-old trick, it's really good. The crowd popped for Luger coming in, and when uh, the tag wasn't allowed because it, the referee didn't see it, as you said. Instead of getting the desired like frustration and heat from the fans, they just went back to being quiet again. Just like, eh, Luca! Oh no, not yet. That was the weirdest kick out from Sting I've ever seen. They should have stuck Dean fucking Malenko back in this. Let's just get Dean Malenko and a partner in against Sting again. That always works. Yeah, we love that. Well, we are the official advocates for Sting versus Malenko in any shape or form. <laughs> we are. Here comes Barbarian up top to miss his dive off the top. Headbutt or splash. Headbutt misses. There we go. 
minor pop for that because now can Luger make the legal hot tag in? <laughs> yeah, I always remember that very good in-depth discussion we had with Mike Quackenbush. That was Halloween Havoc 96, one of our earlier episodes in 2018, about the way Barbarian lands so safely on that move. Because I hate the diving headbutt normally. Hmm. Luger's finally in it. Got, it didn't get much of a pop, did it? No. As you say, if there was a bit of tension between the two of them, if there was a mistake that cost them on the match or something like that, it would be different. But yeah, as you said, it is. You, you, you hit the nail on the head saying a soft reset. Yeah. Here we go, up in the torture rack. Oh, that, that was terrible. The rack is impressive. But Barbarian's come in to try and stop, and he's had to almost stop himself. Yeah, because Sting wasn't there. Yeah. That's a nice finish uh, with the dueling. And they're going, yeah, and Bischoff calling them a solid, cohesive team. Like you said, any tension from Starcade is just totally out the window. I've got, I've got to say, my favourite storyline in this period of wrestling has not had a good week. Hopefully things will, well, they will. Because, <laughs> you know, with retrospect, we know what's on the horizon. It got, it, it kind of got overshadowed a little bit by the new old order situation, which is fair enough because that was amazing. But we know there's a, there's a good few months of this to come to keep us tidied over until May 27th. Yes. What does it say that I remember that date so easily? <laughs> and that is, of course, the first two-hour Nitro, isn't it? Mm. So it'll be tough to try and adapt these to do a longer length, but <laughs> that's a hell of a one to start with. Okay, so what's Jimmy Hart going to say? Notable he wasn't there with Luger. Keep your enemies close so you can keep an eye on them. You should Hogan should have kept an eye on Jimmy Hart. So he's basically taking Hulk Hogan's advice and turning it against him. Minus points on this promo for him calling it the WCW. True. Can you imagine if Vince McMahon was able to get his hands on the giant in 95? Because he got him, what, 98? Yeah, uh, 99, by which point he'd gained like 70 pounds. He'd kind Ooh. of got a bit jaded by the industry. He knew like what he could do and what he could get away with. Uh, but he was just so good early on, wasn't he? So eager, Ooh. so agile, looked the business. Can you imagine if they were able to get him in for, for Diesel or something to try and save that that title reign? Mm. That would, yeah. I mean, and, and we know Vince loves his Giants, so it would be, be an easy push. If he had, like, the benefit... Yeah, here we go, up next. Sorry, go for it. No, it's Hogan Flair next. Uh should be should be the same as every other Hogan flair I've ever seen. But yeah, if, if Vince had the benefit of hindsight, he was able to time travel and jump on that scale. Because I don't think anyone could have predicted how quickly 
Paul White took to wrestling. Like as a rookie, he was amazing, mm. wasn't he? Just how good he was early on. Only Kurt Angle was better, I think, in his first year. Yes. If he'd have known just how good he was early on and had jumped on that, if that had been the giant instead of King fucking Mabel. (laughs) (laughs) i tell you someone else who I always thought was like the most natural wrestler I'd seen or the most natural person to take to it was um, back from when my old Hamlock days, Johnny Moss. And I mean, that's kind of been borne out by the fact that he's now one of the trainers in um, NXT and in the the performance center in the WWE. Yes. And I don't want to be getting him confused with someone else, but I'm half certain he did a a very brief guest spot for Mr. Quackenbush's Shikara company when they did King of Trios, did he not? I think it was Johnny Um, Moss who teamed with Flash and Storm. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. They did like a... Because they were all hammered together, yeah. Yeah, they did... It was the King of Trios and you got all the... It's usually half like in-house roster members forming trios and half of them are like you know they have things like the nexus and things you know doing a throwback to old things and they've had the one man gang and demolition was a hilarious one from a while back and they had like i think i think they were called like team british revival or something like that so it's very much aimed at that 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 glory era of early 2000s fwa which you know a thing or two about i believe yeah, uh, who Johnny Moss never wrestled for, but yeah, that era, yes. Oh, it's a case so of availability. <laughs> indeed. Hogan is uh, down back, you know, back in the uh, in the red and yellow. His last year in the red and yellow for a long while. Am I right in thinking this is the first Hogan Flair match on free television? So they because they, they didn't had run several that. house shows. Yeah, they didn't run that on Nitro so far that we've covered. No, they had and... several house show matches in WWF, but it was never on pay per view. And, and obviously the, the match in Bash at the Beach. Yeah, the Bash at the Beach was um was on pay per view. Yeah, they had several well, pay per view w... matches, but not TV. Yeah. No, didn't WWF? Sometimes have Madison Square Garden shows on the on a TV network somewhere. I don't know. Not as you said on on national broadcast television. That would be something entirely yeah. different, won't it? Um, the only thing I think could break that potential uh, stat is a, I feel like they wrestled on a Clash of the Champions, and isn't that a TV special? Yes. So I might have to double I'll check have that. To... Yes, I was going to say, I'm going to have to just have a look at that because we have just had a Clash of the Champions advertisers as upcoming at the end of January. So we'll no, be building it have been towards in, that, it I It would guess. have been in uh, 94 between their two big pay-per-view matches. And yes, uh, August 24th, yes, you're quite 94 right. in Iowa. Yes. Yeah, Hogan Flair singles match. So, yeah. That was a pretty infamous match because... Common sense dictated that Flair actually win that match if they wanted to headline another pay-per-view, considering how cut and dry Bash at the Beach was, and understandably so. So he comes straight in, wins the title. But given that they wanted to run with that again at Halloween Havoc, common sense would dictate that Flair would get the title back, even through shenanigans or whatever, to put some juice on Havoc 94. 
but they, in the end, to, to try and to try and push the uh, buy rate and the ticket sales, they made it career versus career, which they never had any intention of honouring. Even Dave Meltzer yeah. at the time was saying, "Yeah, they're they're, they're not ret- no one's retiring. Flair's going to lose. Obviously, he'll be back in a matter of months, uh, and it, and it yeah. didn't perform well, if I remember correctly." No, Flair on the Clash of the Champions, Flair beat Hogan by count out. Yeah, he, you really um, could have done uh, something there to he needed a bit more. Yeah. He was just never going to let Flair a, yeah, pin him, was he? That Clash also had Lord Stephen Regal versus Antonio Inoki. It did indeed. In the chief support match. Yes. This 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 uh, sidebar should tell you how interesting this Hogan Formula match is. <laughs> He's already Flair still up. with a big bang. Yes, Flair with a big plaster on his head from the uh, Starcade blade job. Didn't didn't we we were speculating? Didn't Savage just blade blade Flair himself for no apparent reason or something? Yeah, a few people chimed in on Twitter and said it was a, a forced blade job. I, I don't think we dived into that particular detail because we're still up in arms at how dreadful a Starcade main event it actually was. <laughs> you kind of have to really yeah. sit down and watch it to realise that, yes, Savage and Flair in a Starcade main event was fucking atrocious. Um, I've got a great drinking game you can play during this match. Uh, what you do is you, well, you this drink, Flair yeah, you drink, you drink a shot every time Ric Flair gets in some significant offence on Hulk that is sold. It's a great drinking game for sober January. <laughs> so those of you looking oh, to give yes. up the alcohol that miss drinking games, play that one. You are absolutely safe. Well, this has been complete domination from Hogan. Yeah, Flair, every... every... 30 seconds or so, Flair will hit like an axe handle or an elbow smash and Hogan will just no-sell it. This is the world champion. Well, yeah. Flair, Flair just kicked Hogan in the in the stomach and, and he sold it for a second or two and then thumbed him in the eyes. He's now been thumbed in the eyes himself by Flair. Well, he's actually selling something. Dry January is over, Liam. What the hell are you thinking? Hang on, Give it time. You've ruined everything for these charitable do-gooders and their dry January. Give it time. Hogan's... Kudos. He is clutching his leg for five whole seconds. Yes. Ah, kudos. He's selling. Wow. Dry January's finished. Yep. So if you like a drinking game that gives you a slight buzz, (laughs) if you still need to drive home after this drinking game, (laughs) you should be fine. (laughs) He's only selling because he heard me. Fucking time-traveling orange bastard. And you know, if we if we named these episodes, then stupid time traveling orange bastard would be the name of this episode. Uh, I now regret. Flair's got the figure four on Hogan. I now regret not doing exactly that, just so we could lead to this one. But then I'll do pretty good <laughs> synopses, don't I, on the on the thing? There's, there's plenty there. Oh, I'll, yes. I'll be sure to mention that. 
There, I, I told you, this is the episode where there's just a lot of bright orange. Hogan's just yeah. the first one wearing it on his skin rather than his ring gear. Now, this is something that doesn't make sense. That If you turn the figure four over, it suddenly reverses the pressure. We should give it a go one day, shouldn't we? I've been putting a legit figure four, and it it absolutely fucking hurts if you put it on properly. But you can also put it on so that it looks proper, but, but you're not putting any pressure on whatsoever. Jimmy Hart has run down to ringside, by the way. And, of course, Jimmy Hart was in Flair's corner when Flair won the title at the Starcade. Yeah, he's continuing his recent side job of helping Flair out. That started, he cut a promo about Flair doing him a favour and he was going to return the favour. And apparently that was a pretty big favour because he's still paying back the debt. Yeah. And a little side note on the figure four. Yes, it can cause legit pain if applied properly. If applied properly, but very lightly, it's actually really, really nice. Because it's actually part <laughs> of a... It's, it's a DDP yoga stretch. You can do a figure four yeah. yourself and, and crunch in. I recommend it. Especially if you've got like a sore back or a neck. Hogan is hulking up. That's two. One more and he gets a match ball. And it's interesting because some people are cheering. Most people are cheering, but you can hear boos. You can definitely hear boos from the crowd. Yeah. I suppose we are, we are in Atlanta, aren't we? We always go back to that infamous episode where Hogan dressed in black doing that really weird emo midlife crisis phase wrestled Sting as a heel. It was like a precursor, wasn't it? Starco 97. And fans, was they were enjoying it. Oh, well, we've established Hogan. Uh, his oh, arm. Anson's in the ring. Hogan completely fucked up that leg drop. He didn't know which uh, rope to run to. I think Hogan, uh, as Anson, yeah, Anson's just hit, hit him with that, those brass knucks, and Hogan has no sold it because he's Hogan. Look how many yellow shirts are strategically placed TV side. Yes. And, um... And now he's beating up the is... entire Top Hill faction by himself. Although he has got a pair of brass knucks on, to be fair. But he managed, he just got the um, brass knucks out of... He's been delving into Arn Anson's trunks as well. But here comes the giant Four with the chair. Four of them are begging for mercy. Yeah. Savage has just made the save on the giant, for Hogan on the giant. And now Hogan has dispatched the giant with one punch. And oh Savage and Hogan... God have just seen off the entire hill stable in the precursors to uh, Uncensored, basically. Yeah. So, why why was he getting a scattering of booze? I, I can't figure it out, Dean. I wonder. No, I'm, I'm baffled myself. This is awful. As his best mate, Ed Leslie, is there with a terrible gimmick. And do you know what the thing? I'd still give this episode a fast. Uh, a, a fast. Uh, I'd give this episode a pass. It's been action-packed. Yeah, uh, plenty going on. It's just also very frustrating, did, especially the last two did, matches. Did any, yes. Did Did anyone know what the Zodiac's gimmick was? He um, He kind of looked facial. His face paint looks like a cross between a zebra and a 
as a giant panda, basically. I figured the gimmick was oh. that he changed uh, gimmicks so many times it caused him to have a, a, a spasm and made him go white and black and run around shouting yes, no, yes, no. I see. Oh, here comes the, the post-match promo with Savage and Hogan. Oh. Can you hear the booze during this? Yep. This is more just like lone dissenters trying to break the silence because it's a promo. So he is now, and there's a ton of empty seats. A load of people have fucked off before the Hogan promo. Savage, so Hogan has just challenged Flair and Anderson to a tag match with him and him and Savage. And we had a similar match that recently. Or was that Sting and Savage versus Flair and Anderson? I think so. But yeah, we do indeed get some. Um, Hogan and Savage v. Flair and Anson next week. <laughs> They've got secret weapons, apparently. I wonder if it's going to be their hobo friend. Oh, man. He should be their secret weapon. I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> they could have brought the, uh, the their hobo mate to uh, the uncensored cage. Oh, that's not long away. Thankfully, we've already covered that pay-per-view, so we just have to put up with the ridiculous build, which actually should be quite <laughs> fascinating, because if I remember correctly, there were quite a lot of roster and uh, tactical changes to that when people bought yes. it, being involved, etc. And I think that's where Pillman's uh, at ringside with his T-shirt advertising his hotline. Hmm. So at least that'll be interesting. We've already done the worst part, which is the actual match. The actual match, yes. Well, I'm, I'm looking at uh, next week, and it is pretty looks pretty good because as well as that tag match, we've got DDPV Sting, and we've got Eddie Guerrero and Stephen Regal. So that's that's going to be pretty damn good. In an hour format, Nitro continues to roll. Benefit of hindsight, retrospect, I know, but yeah, uh, the the main two matches of this episode just all threatened to turn into a foul. Yeah. There'll definitely be better passes on the horizon, I'd imagine. Yeah, this was it started off well and it dipped much like the pay per views started off well and dipped by the main event, but um, took a lead and barely held on to it. Hmm. I wonder what uh Well the dog will be dressed as next week. Oh Christ. <laughs> that poor dog. He just wants to. He just wants to live an easy life. He just wants to chase a ball and not be made to dress like a twat. Exactly. But above all else, Dean, we're back on the watch long trail, and I'm very happy to be back doing this. We were hitting a good we stride with the volume of these late last year. Hopefully, we can squeeze in a few and just enjoy '96 for what it is in WCW. Indeed, yes. We uh, so as Nitro uh, Nitro trots off into the sunset, live as uh, Bischoff mentions there. We are indeed hoping to uh, put um, put some more pay per view episodes together very soon. We all going well. We should have some very good guests coming up in the early part of 2020. But obviously, yes. until contracts are signed, Lee, and we don't want to say too much. 
And you know um, what contract but, signings are like in wrestling. So we're expecting to get our asses God, kicked. Yeah. Especially if uh, there's a cake involved in the contract signing, because we all know what happens there. It will go in someone's face and it'll all be a fucking mess. Exactly. And even though you think it's ridiculous that there'd be a cake around the contract signing, it's me and you. We're going to bring cake. If there's an opportunity to bring cake, we will bring cake. Yes. Indeed. Right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Because WCW, our first Nitro watch along of 1996 or 2020, depending whether you're in the real time or the parallel universe that we have created with World Championship Wrestling. Thank you ever so much for downloading us. Please subscribe and rate and review us. Uh, we really appreciate every single one of you who takes the time to listen. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter at BecauseWCW or you can reach us on Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. So in the meantime, till episode number 49, well, we should be thinking about what to do for our, our, our half century, Liam. Uh, this is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, saying thanks for listening. I'll see you ringside.